Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. With your hosts, Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good evening to you. I'm Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well because you want to know why? Why is that? I got into my garden. Wow. Well, I guess the weather, the the winter has been mild enough that maybe you've done... Well, there are a few things you can plant when you're still expecting a frost. So L- I planted such as? radishes. Radishes. And spinach. Okay. And I planted all of my indoor seedlings. So wow. all my little seeds. So I've got some things already sprouting in the house. You are on your game. I am. Yeah, I can't let you down. You need some more zucchini, I suspect. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, you know, I, I wasn't going to ask, you know, just patiently, uh, you know, give you a little nudge every time you come uh, into the studio. And on how's Saturday. that baby doing? He's doing great. He's awesome. uh, keeping us up every now and then. But <laughs> that's to be expected. And, that's uh, right. You know, we, we probably deserve that so that's okay (laughs) that's okay well nicole let's get into the subject matter tonight and we're going to be talking about a a subject that uh, is always important for caregivers and care receivers and you know for aging parent for caring for aging parents and spouses we need to make informed care decisions and we've brought in an expert to help us sort through some of these tough decisions (laughs) that we have to make and that's margaret madison she is a marketing representative for broadway nc home care Margaret, thank you so much for coming in this evening. Thank you so much for having me. I am absolutely delighted to be here and hope that I can be of some assistance. We hope so, too. Great, yeah. So um, private duty in-home care, that is uh, sometimes a topic that is confusing to folks because a lot of times out there in the marketplace, so many different things are referred to as home care. And so um, the Broadway Home Care Agency, you are a private duty in-home care company? We are private duty we do not do skilled nursing. Right. This is where some of the confusion comes Mm -hmm. in. Um, We do personal care assistance. Mm -hmm. We do uh, respite care. We have CNAs available. And we come to the home. We will come into facility. Mm -hmm. Um, We are a privately owned company, which can make a big difference with regard to uh, a patient's location. Right. Using a private company versus... um, one that is not where there are geographic boundaries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But we are a part of a much larger organization that is based in New York and New Jersey. Um, Hence the name Broadway. I'm sorry? Hence the name Broadway. Yes. (laughs) Yes. You you, you employ a staff of stars. (laughs) Actually, that is a pretty good descriptor for what we do. the company as a whole has been around for over 30 years. Yeah. And the thing, I came from another company, and I will tell you that my reason for coming to this one was because everyone in this company, from um, payroll to home care, we are all advocates first before we are anything else. Right. There is not one among us that has not been on the other side of this. 
So private duty and home care companies, so they are normally provide for folks listening, if you're not sure, what's known as more of the custodial level of care. Yes. So they provide assistance if your loved one needs bathing or dressing or grooming or transportation, exactly. meal preparation, light housekeeping. So all those sort of day-to-day tasks mm-hmm. that help your loved one maintain their ability to be home wherever their home is. Exactly. Longer. Right. And so um, when, when Margaret was talking about we do, do not provide skilled care, there are some types of services that are more on the home health side of the spectrum mm-hmm. that provide what's known as restorative care. And, and what I mean by restorative care is when folks typically um, are looking to make gains or improve to where they were prior to whatever incidents mm-hmm. caused the dramatic decline. So maybe somebody had a broken hip and they are getting physical therapy and occupational therapy. Exactly. And, and then there are other things too where people um, are... Um, intermediately have to have a ventilator or mm-hmm. or um, have intravenous things. Right, so right. We we no, we don't do that. So but. a lot of a lot of times people do confuse that and think, well Medicare will pay for my in home care aid. And so when you have home health in-home care may be provided on an episodic basis, very short-term, with the idea of completing a task. So they're not there 24-7 or 12 hours a day or four hours. And I think that this is why I was so excited to be able to come in here today. I have two ways of approaching this. The best way for anyone to approach this is in a preemptive fashion. If you have um, an elder spouse, if you have an elder parent, if you are responsible for that person, you need to know what kind of insurance coverage they have. You need to know if they have um, a Medicare Advantage plan, as an example, mm-hmm. because as of the first of this year, there are a great many, particularly in this area, that now have some benefit mm-hmm. for this kind of home health care. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to know if they have taken out any kind of long-term care insurance. Right. You also need to know what the, their financial uh, mm-hmm status is so that you can prepare for this and if you are in that position you need to take a look for yourself to see if you're in a position to be able to get some long-term care insurance for yourself to pre-plan this right so making these decisions you know it makes a lot and we talk a lot about being proactive and thinking about the long-term care of a loved one or for yourself so really understanding what the benefits are what you have in place currently and then also you know what you can afford because again this can (sighs) really really stack up on the bills pretty quickly it can be absolutely staggering and so the preemptive side is always the best I mean, I am, I'm one of these people, I over-insure for everything <laughs> on the theory that if I'm over-insured, I'm fine. Right. The majority of what we do is crisis mitigation. Mm-hmm. These things happen, and they happen to everybody, and it doesn't matter where you are, how old you are, right. where you live. Um, and so what we do within our group of companies is that we have the ability to help people navigate Mm-hmm. their insurances, mm-hmm. navigate Medicaid, which we do accept, by the way, and mm-hmm. a lot of people don't. Right. Um, to direct people to experts as opposed to marketing companies who are going to try to sell you services or try to sell you uh, an assisted living facility. And there are a great many. Transitions is our one of our go-to places mm-hmm. with regard um, to information mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because um, – Anything that needs to be sorted out can certainly be done there. But Mm -hmm. in terms of an actual physical day-to-day, 
uh, with a patient and our patient's family, we can be of assistance navigating all those waters to help. So, Margaret, or excuse me, Meg, what are some of the um, things that folks um, actually need to look for when they are looking for a um, trying to decide whether or not a loved one actually needs in-home care? So what are some of those warning signs that exist out there? Um, denial, I think, is one. Mm-hmm. You can certainly be observant. And this this isn't an age thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I'm no spring chicken. And, I'm, <laughs> and I am fine. I don't need home care. But there are people that are in my age group mm-hmm. um, where they're becoming forgetful. Mm-hmm. Or they're having difficulty moving around. Or they're having a little bit of trouble um, just maintaining their day-to-day life. If it's harder for them to get to the market or if it's harder for them. We have one person in particular who was having difficulty putting on their own shoes. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I've got to get my shoes on because we have to go to work. And we're saying, if you can't get your shoes on, we need to take this a step farther and see what's the reason for this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I would partner with whoever the healthcare professional is. Make sure that if there's any, any even a vagary of, um, of a symptom or something where there's a diminished capability, to do a healthcare assessment to find out if there's any underlying cause. So I know a lot of um, older adults really struggle with sort of the whole idea of bringing in care. And, and some of that comes from admitting that there's something wrong and then losing a sense of control and then suddenly having something happen to them that they may not want. So sometimes people just sort of start to become self-isolated and tell everybody on the phone everything's fine, but the reality of it's that it's not. But if you do just bring in just a little bit of help, that can really go the distance to decrease falls, to um, potentially stop a hospital admission, and then ultimately hopefully sustain them living in that independent home longer. Well, I mean, the, the phrase coined for this is aging in place. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens to all of us. And the best possible outcome is one where someone can remain at home and be as independent as possible. So if folks want more information about your organization, mm-hmm. how do they go ahead and get a hold of you? Well, we have a wonderful website, www.broadwaync.net. Our um, offices are in Raleigh, and we cover a tremendous area, many, many different counties. Um, Our telephone number is 984-206-2600. I'm not going to give my mobile number out (laughs) on the radio. However, um, we have a fabulous staff um, of very knowledgeable people who can be of assistance, um, and we are available 24-7. Awesome. That's fantastic. That phone number again, 984-206-2600. Margaret Madison, Marketing Representative for Broadway NC Home Care. Thank you so much for coming in and spending Thank some time this evening. Thank you so much for having me. A Very quick much break. Appreciated. Absolutely. We'd have to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, we welcome back 
friend of the show status. It's, yes. it's very hard to achieve this. Well, especially when she brings truffles. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> we will we will not turn a guest away if they bring some truffles in. But we wouldn't turn her away regardless. It is Nancy Stolfo-Corti, Catalyst. I love that title. I always say that every time. With Senior Helpers. Nancy, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Well, thank you for having me. I really feel like I am just a stalker. That I'm living downstairs with Marge in the bathroom, the ladies' bathroom, but well, I love it. Thank you're in you good, so much. You're in good company. Marge is uh, the, the keeper of the building here. She protects us all, so you're you're in great hands with her. Nancy, I know you wanted to come in and, and talk about... Uh, Senior Helpers being a proud sponsor of Rock Steady, and we uh, were shortly talking about this uh, before we went on the air here, but explain to us what Rock Steady is. So Rock Steady Boxing is actually a program that was founded in 2006 uh, in Indianapolis, and it provides people with Parkinson's disease hope because through physical activity and actually a rigorous exercise program, it builds endurance for their muscles and it can reverse, reduce, and even delay the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. Interesting, because I know a few years ago, um, the idea of boxing and Parkinson's and bicycle riding and Parkinson's and dancing in Parkinson's was really kind of going across mainstream media. So it really sounds like there is actually a program, even here locally, that folks can interact with if they have a loved one with a Parkinson's diagnosis. Absolutely, and there's a lot of gyms that are affiliated with Rock Steady Boxing. Um, Even some of the senior communities, I know that the Cardinal has a program. They are an affiliate. There is Level Red Boxing in Waverly Place in Cary that actually has one of the people featured in the Rock Steady Boxing book. Um, His daughter owns the gym, and Greg Kellig is uh, a Parkinson's patient that went from a wheelchair to actually leading some of the workouts. So before we get too much further on this, I want to make sure, I'm sure this is a question in everybody's, you know, mind. We're all picturing, you know, the movie Rocky, right? And, you know, people you know, smacking yeah. each other in the head and knocking each other over. And now we're picturing all these frail or right. Parkinson's it is non, patients. It is non, non-contact. There we it go. It is non-contact. We need to get that out because that really could be a big problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so okay, so... So this is non-contact. And so you just said something that sort of sparked my attention was about somebody being in a wheelchair doing this. So, so they adapt the, um, the, the routines and a lot of these drills that you use in boxing to every level of fitness. You could be newly diagnosed with the disease and just like you and I just are here, just okay. a little bit stiff or, or not totally in control of our, our muscle movements to someone that is um, in a wheelchair. But what they do is you they have volunteers. You can also bring a caregiver. And um, you, we are more than willing to help you out with that, either to navigate a caregiver from our service or a volunteer that will go with you. And even in, in the wheelchair, I've seen where they've pushed a heavy bag up to them and they push against it from the wheelchair. But eventually, you build your endurance and your strength. It's not, it's not a miracle, mm-hmm. but when you have that sense of community and you are seeing abilities that you thought you lost, I mean, every day, I, I talk to people after I went and did a session, 
And people were saying to me, you know, it's a good day when I can hold my coffee cup and not spill it. And now I can not only hold my coffee cup, I can make the coffee for my spouse. And and these are just little triumphs. And, you know, having had physical limitations myself after an accident, I can really appreciate what they're saying. Sure. Yeah, you definitely have walked a mile in the moccasins on that one, for sure. So one of the things that you also mentioned off air that I thought was particularly interesting and, and, and true, quite frankly, is that when a person becomes diagnosed with a chronic condition such as Parkinson's, suddenly you'll find that they suddenly turn into that care receiver and folks are really worried about hurting the person and they Absolutely. baby the person, literally, and and they don't really get pushed. It's more like keep trying to just meet them where they're at and not really kind of push them beyond. And so it sounds like that this program really has sort of a philosophy of pushing people just a little bit. Absolutely, because it is it is very rigorous. And when you have this rigorous um, program, you actually force your muscles into a state of more endurance. I recently read something um, uh, when I was learning to walk again, and it it's said that sometimes stress onto your body actually makes it stronger. We have that expression, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Well, I'm living proof of that. Yeah. Um, and I, this is their philosophy. Now, this doesn't work with all disease sets. I know myositis is one of those that it, it actually discourages this. But with Parkinson's, this really is um, a good program for that in um, using these boxing skills to improve your agility, your speed, your muscle endurance, your accuracy, and eye-hand coordination, which are all things that start to deteriorate with this disease set. So I also wonder... um about the training, right? So you don't want to just necessarily put a person with uh, Parkinson's disease just in in a normal gym where the the people who are training the class haven't actually been trained in this. Or I'm just making the assumption. I mean, I'm assuming there are some specific training criteria. So there, you you have to get certified. And basically, you can go to rocksteadyboxing.org and you can go into locations and you'll see they'll they'll be they'll list out like jawbreakers used to be um, certified. I, I think their trainer left and went to Chapel Hill, but you'll see a regular gym, a gym that you and I will go to that offer these classes. So these are specifically so I wouldn't be able to go into one of those classes necessarily. You actually could. Okay. You actually I gotta tell you, it was tough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a tough class. So um The one common trait that they have is even though the exercises vary in purpose and form, they are rigorous. They extend the capabilities of the participant. And because these people are specially trained, the trainers and the volunteers, they're they're not going to push you to the point of hurting yourself. Right, right. But they're going to push you to the point where you feel like... You did something. Oh, my gosh. I can still do this. I broke a sweat. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I broke a sweat just watching. (laughs) (laughs) It was crazy. It was crazy. So what was the impetus behind Senior Helper sponsoring this program? So it's actually kind of a personal story. Uh, One of our very high ups in the corporate office, um, one of our vice presidents, her husband had an early diagnosis of early onset. 
and she just started researching things. And this program has been around. I mean, even in the 1980s, the Cleveland Clinic um, actually saw that forcing rigorous exercise, it had a neuroprotective slowing of the disease progression. And it was just this gentleman in Indianapolis who had an early um, onset uh, diagnosis and him and a friend, and they started uh, looking at boxing drills. And a lot of people think boxing actually gives you Parkinson's because of Muhammad oh, the, Ali. Of the head injuries. Yeah. And of the all. head injuries yeah. and things like that. And I, I always uh, like to refer back to a quote that Muhammad Ali, he said, you know, I didn't get Parkinson's from being in the ring. Joe Frazier was hit more than myself, and he doesn't have Parkinson's. So it doesn't come from boxing. Yeah. And so that's what's really important. And again, this is non-contact. Interesting thing I read before we get more into more details about senior helpers um, is that while mostly this has to be paid out of pocket for families Correct. to attend, there's there are some health savings plans that actually, if, if the doctor says this is really going to be beneficial for your treatment, may reimburse the family for that. Right. Um, health saving plans are a way that you can pay for it. Absolutely. AFLAC plans, they have preventative plans. Mm -hmm. um, this is a preventative measure to the disease. Unfortunately, insurances do not yeah. pay, and, and hopefully one day that will change. Right. But we just don't have enough data right. to support that this is actually a way forward. So talk to us a little bit about Senior Helpers. If folks want more information, how do they get a hold of you? So they can um, reach out to us at seniorhelpers.com forward slash NC forward slash Durham. <laughs> um, or they can go to our national office and put in a locator, uh, a locator um, zip code. Locator. Zip code. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> or they can simply call us 919-544-684. And that's 24-7. Again, 919-544-6848. Read that phone number like a pro. Nancy <laughs> Stolfo-Corti, Catalyst with Senior Helpers. You know, Nicole always says that I introduce her kind of like a boxing announcer before the program. I, I think right. we, we need, may, may be in, the stars may be aligning to get her in rock steady, I think so. All right. Well, we're um, going to be there to support you before and after the bell rings. So. There you go. Nancy, thank you so much for coming on the show again. You are welcome. Thank you. We have to take a quick break. We'll be back with more. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. With your hosts, Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care. I am Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett, and we thank you for joining us this evening. Nicole, we're going to narrow our focus in. We were talking a little bit about conversations earlier, and now we're going to be talking about uh, more direct conversations when it comes to a uh, life-limiting illness. And, you know, we, we like to use euphemisms, I think, because we're, we're typically scared to talk about death and what that may mean. So uh, we've brought in uh, someone here who can help us uh, be more comfortable in these situations and know some questions to ask and some things to uh, be prepared for when having a, a 
difficult conversation. And we've brought in Dr. Christopher Thompson. He is the hospice and palliative care physician with Transitions Life Care. One of our own, Dr. Thompson. Thank you so much for coming in this evening. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. And uh, I don't think he'll want us to um, necessarily say this, but he does have a pretty amazing designation that he's been recently given. I wasn't going to embarrass him right off the bat. <laughs> well, Nicole, you know, I'm all about embarrassing right it. from the beginning. Yeah, Dr. Thompson has uh, just received an, uh, a very distinguished honor, his designation of Fellow of the American Academy of Hospice and Palliative Medicine. This is uh, the highest honor that can be bestowed upon a, a physician. Dr. Thompson, congratulations. That's it's amazing. great to see uh, another uh, uh, award and recognition for the folks at Transitions Life Care. Thank you. It was a big accomplishment for me. That's amazing. Congratulations. So, okay. So, yes, we definitely, um, in our work, uh, have to have a lot of difficult conversation, and you in particular, for sure. Um, I, wa- I was wondering, you know, how do we really go about having these conversations with individuals who do have those life-limiting li- illnesses, and, um, you know, what, what can people expect? Sure. It's really difficult. Anytime families um, are receiving bad news about a diagnosis that themselves or a loved one, you know, is, is about to get or has recently received. Anytime we, we hear the word cancer, anytime we, we see um, dementia getting into the advanced stages mm-hmm. or any of our um, illnesses, congestive heart failure, COPD, uh, many of those diseases, as you talk to your primary care doctor or as you talk to your specialists, I don't think they understand the gravity of what those diseases are and what their prognosis is Mm -hmm. uh, as they they move forward in life. I think those specialists uh, need to be honest with the patient and the families. I think the families need to be open to having a conversation about what these life-limiting diseases are, especially when it comes to prognosis and dealing with you know, the D word, mm-hmm. that's death and dying. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it's important for them to have those conversations early on in the disease process. And that way they'll able to kind of plan. Yeah. I mean, because if we don't have that conversation, it could be more of a surprise. And, and it's almost like you had time stolen away from you. You were going to die no matter what. But if you weren't given that time, you really can't kind of tie up some of those loose ends. That's right. So as, as you know, we, we get that disease mm-hmm. and these diseases many of them are not curable mm-hmm. and to really be up front when you get you know early on uh, in your disease process um, one using you know the advances in, in in medicine that we have to slow the disease process down but also to be prepared for as those disease continues to progress and the more time we can give to those patients and mm-hmm. to those families allows them to do, you know, many things. And, and to have these difficult conversations is not to give up hope, mm-hmm. not to stop caring or stop treating, uh, but to maybe focus in on different things, such as, you know, talking about, you know, the legacy you're leaving behind, mm-hmm. about getting things prepared, you know, as far as... Um, your financial situation, your mm-hmm. social situation, you know, allowing uh, families to name a healthcare power of attorney, to let them know what their goals of care are, um, and sometimes do some fun things like the bucket list to take yeah. that cruise or take that last trip. Definitely. So I know, you know, one of the challenges 
in being in this area, I suspect, is that it is such a major medical, mm-hmm. academic medical area. And so I have seen time and time again where people get onto that sort of merry-go-round of, mm-hmm. of medical treatment. And it's just one more trial after one more trial after one more trial. And um, it's, it, it seems like a lot of times nobody has that conversation with that loved one that, you know, you just aren't going it's, it, this probably isn't going to change the trajectory of your life. And a matter of fact, you know, the, the, the last several months of your life may look very different if, if you had not done some of these things. And so, you know, how do we kind of get around some of that in this area? Because I think people just really do get sucked into the things that they read or see because everyone wants that hope. So one of the biggest things that we need to have with our patients and our family is a goals of care conversation. Mm-hmm. Really sit them down, educate them about their disease, about their disease process, about their prognosis, about the treatment options. What are the goals of those treatment options? Mm-hmm. Is it curative? Mm-hmm. Is it palliative? You know, is it to, to slow the progression down? And more importantly, what are the side effects of the treatment? And when you say palliative? Sure, that's a, big, a big word, word yeah. that many people don't understand and, and things like that too. So. Palliative is treating a disease to better alleviate symptoms, mm-hmm. things like pain, you know, trouble breathing, shortness of breath, um, nausea is a big thing, you know, neuropathy. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have these symptoms that arise when we have a chronic illness and chronic disease. And a palliative care team, a palliative care physician, palliative care providers um, are really the experts in managing those symptoms. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, some of them are disease-targeted treatments, uh, but many of them are just kind of uh, allowing, you know, that patient to, to, to live, you know, maybe with a little less pain. Right. Uh, and to maybe help with the functional status, you know, of that patient and to do things, you know, to improve quality of life. Maybe not quantity of life, but quality of life. Right, right. Okay. So we talked a little bit about sort of those, those discussions around uh, goals of care. One of the things that I often talk to families about when they're, you know, starting to notice that their loved one's sort of taking that decline, it, it's hard for them to sometimes try to figure out, well, what would mom actually want? You know, I might be mm. named the healthcare power of attorney, but I'm still not 100% sure what, what mom would want. And so would you recommend a good strategy maybe if there is another loved one that has recently passed that everyone sort of observed the situation to say, you know, gee, you know, Aunt Sally, you know, this is kind of what happened with Aunt Sally as she got closer to death. What did you think about that? You know, how do you know, would you want something like that? You know, because sometimes people get really nervous about the spotlight being on them. But if they're talking about a different situation, it may provide some insight. It's always great to when we first have that conversation to talk about, have you known anybody in this situation Mm -hmm. uh, to get their feel of, of what that would be like. Also, what we you know tell families, too, is, is if that loved one was able to kind of stand here with us and, and talk about what they're seeing, how would they want their care to go? Mm-hmm. And that's really important because no family member wants to see a loved one die. Right. Um, but sometimes we have to look at what the goals of that patient were. And it may not be what you would want for yourself, Correct. which is, it gets to be a little bit tricky there. And that's why it's important to talk to your loved ones. And that mm-hmm. is a very difficult conversation mm-hmm. to have. It's a very difficult conversation to start. But many families, after they have that conversation, feel very relieved because mm-hmm. it takes away those questions that they may have. Mm-hmm. But also you can get really into the 
the meaning of that patient and w how they really look at their life mm -hmm. uh, and, and where they were from and what they were doing and, and talking about things like, you know, do you want to be buried? Do you want to be cremated? Mm -hmm. You know, things like that too are really important for those people that have an illness to, to talk about and to discuss. Uh, and those are the conversations that you're going to have. And, and many times you learn a lot about your loved one that you didn't know mm -hmm. as you have that conversation. And again, it's all about preparing because mm -hmm. having these conversations before you're in that crisis end point time, when it is incredibly emotional, you know, you have your whole family around mm -hmm. you. It's better to know what that person wants before you have to actually put mm -hmm. those things into place. Right. It also gives you some time to think about it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not making it in a crisis situation. Right. You have some time to let me think about that. Let me, you know, talk to some other folks about that. And, and that way you can also talk to your other providers and mm -hmm. things like that too, to really understand what's happening and what's going on and what's going to be best for you. Yeah, just winging it in those situations probably isn't the best route to go. A little preparation goes a long way. We've got Dr. Christopher Thompson in the studio. He is the hospice and palliative care physician with Transitions Life Care. And we're going to continue our conversation right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. In the studio, we have Dr. Christopher Thompson. He is the hospice and palliative care physician with Transitions Life Care. And we're talking about, well, how to talk about death and how to have these difficult conversations, Nicole. And, you know, we've sort of broached the subject of um, maybe how to get the ball rolling with these conversations. But, you know, we also talked about how important this is for everyone to be on the same page and to know exactly what we're dealing with. Well, and using the words, right? Right. We so, I mean, in so many difficult topics, we skirt around the words all of the time. And just because of our own personal discomfort level, I suspect, and maybe we're not sure how that other person's going to react. But I, I and, I, and I'm going to defer to Dr. Thompson here on this, but I think most people have a sense of what their internal clock is telling them. And they have a sense of the direction that things are going. Many times if you talk to our patients directly, again, they feel that them, their body's getting weaker, mm -hmm. they're not able to do the things that they used to be able to do. Uh, we talked about how patients can hide that very well mm -hmm. and, and hide that from family members. Uh, but it's important uh, as we start to notice those things and as you talk to your you know, uh, primary care physicians and, and, and the folks that are taking care of you and your providers, uh, as we start to see those changes, you know, to be familiar with what that looks like. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes it takes a, a trained provider to recognize that. That's why it's important to have these conversations, you know, with your, your providers and your, with your physicians to understand what the course of that disease looks like. Mm -hmm. And as you start to uh, progress in your disease, uh, be prepared for um, what the end may look like. And that is using terms like death and dying uh, is important so that they can, you know, plan ahead and decide how they want that to look. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we talk about 
the, the scary, you know, H word, and that's hospice. Yes. And everyone backs up 10 feet when you say that word. Exactly. And, and, and sometimes when I'm, you know, seeing a patient uh, and we talk about hospice, again, they just kind of shut off and they hide and, and they don't want to hear that term because they think hospice equals death. Mm-hmm. And in a way it does, you know, to have a life-limiting illness and to have a illness that more than likely will will end your life. Um, it's important to have that conversation and, and get that education about hospice. Uh, hospice is a service that can be provided uh, to patients that have a life-limiting illness. Not just cancer, which is Not just cancer. a misnomer. Correct. So again, heart failure, um, COPD, uh, liver failure, um, dementia. Kidney disease is all that. Yep, yeah. All those. So, you know, really any disease that may be life-limiting to that patient would qualify uh, for hospice. And there are, you know, many, you know, providers out there that, that know um, the criteria for hospice, but there's, that's why hospice agencies exist, mm-hmm. you know, to have those consults for us to go in and evaluate those patients and to, you know, look at, you know, past medical history and, and where they are and, and their course of their disease and to determine if they're hospice eligible. And, and once that is the case, then to uh, have hospice services uh, is it's a team of folks. It's not just a, a physician, but it's doctors and nurses and social workers and chaplain support and volunteers. And it's a, it's a whole um, interdisciplinary team mm-hmm. uh, to go out and care for not just the patient, but the families as well. Mm-hmm. And to continue to guide these patients and, and these families, you know, through the end stages of the disease. So why do you think it's so hard for so many physicians to tell somebody that they're dying? Mm-hmm. It's important. So many of the specialists and things like that, too, you know, their, their goal is, is, you know, to, to help these patients to, to sometimes find a cure uh, and to not give up hope, you know, for these, for these patients. And I think that is, is sometimes difficult uh, for them to have these, these hard conversations with families and patients that they've had a very long relationship, you know, with. Um, but when they start to see these changes and they need to be able to recognize that, I think they need to call in, you know, the palliative care team or the hospice team, you know, to continue the education process um, to these families to, to um, address the goals of care, you know, to determine, you know, is, you know, the current care plan within our our, our our goals and is this something we want to continue because there are other other options mm-hmm. you know that we can have as we move forward you know in the course of our disease and I think that's important for you know the families to talk with their you know providers about again what their prognosis is you know what they think their life expectancy is what the side effects of treatments uh, will be uh, so that they can help make those choices which is best for them mm-hmm. and sometimes it is continuing you know, that aggressive care and aggressive therapies. But other times patients say, I would, you know, this is becoming a burden on me and this Mm -hmm. is something that I don't want. Well, I can even speak to my husband's dad when he was dying, um, you know, the the doctor said, well, you know, we could do all the following things to keep you going for the next six months. And somebody had the wherewithal to actually say, well, what does keep it going look like? And then when they described what mm-hmm. a keep it, 
going look like for this individual person with this individual disease, nausea, vomiting, not being so weak you can't even get out of bed, but you're going to live six months longer. Then that person went, oh, and they could make a more informed decision. And I think sometimes we're just so afraid of telling people kind of what the two the, the roads are. And I mean, there may be six different roads, but it just in this situation, these two paths, yes, you'll live six months longer here, but this is what this looks like. Or you may live three more months, but this is what this looks like. People, you know, they need to be given that opportunity, I feel like. And I feel like sometimes we just try to hide so much from folks. Right. And, and when we talk about these roads and these paths and these detours, it's very challenging, you know, to give an explanation of what's going to what mm-hmm. what the future holds, right? Because none of us have a crystal ball; right. we don't know. So, really, the job of a of a palliative care doctor and even a hospice doctor is to walk that road with that family, with that patient. And as you hit bumps in the road, and as you move forward, you're able to make those choices of: Do I want to, you know, continue treatment? Do I want to have more of a comfort care focused mm-hmm. approach uh, to my care? I think that's really important. We talk a lot about these, you know, you mentioned kind of where we are, you know, in the medical triangle. Mm-hmm. We make dying very complicated yeah. these days, you know, where there is always something else we can do. So when that family walks up to that doctor and say, you know, oh, doc, is there anything else that we can do? Yeah. Well, there is. Yeah. You know, there, there's these clinical trials and there's different medications and there's different studies and, and things like that, too, that are out there and that are always possible. But again, what are our goals of, you know, that next treatment or that next therapy? And when's enough enough? And when is enough enough? And the only one that can really determine that is the patient. Mm -hmm. And the only way we can really find that out is to talk about it and to ask them and to explain and to educate them so they can make those choices. And again, that uh, means walking this path, walking this journey with them uh, so that they can make the right choices, you know, based upon, you know, what their goals are, what their families um, goals are. And many times when we have that conversation, again, earlier the better, mm-hmm. uh, usually at time of diagnosis, uh, as we approach those decisions, many times they're already made. So for those listening where this topic may have resonated, you know, they may be sitting there thinking about a loved one that may mm-hmm. feel like this is this is a, perhaps a, a potential path, either for palliative medicine or hospice. How do folks go ahead and get signed up Mm -hmm. sure well you know hospice can be a referral from your primary care doctor Mm -hmm. or from your specialist Uh, even families can make kind of Mm self-referrals you know they can call into the office and 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 ask for you know an education visit and uh, allow um, one of our liaisons to go out there and and discuss that with the patient with the family Uh, there's many services out there that can kind of you know, lead into that. There's there's websites and other things that can help, you know, direct that information. But many times it's a conversation with your primary care, you know, doctor mm-hmm. that makes the referral, you know, into the palliative care and hospice agencies for us to go out there and determine what level of care that they qualify for. And hospice is covered under the Medicare benefit or your private insurance is typically, and I know palliative care, it's partially Medicare and partially a bit of a copay, correct? Sure. And, and that's going to be... Um, based upon your insurance right. and, and based upon the individual, uh, but you'll be able to have that information, you know, ahead of time. Uh, and that's what they'll talk to you about before setting up a meeting. Uh, many of our patients we see in the hospital before discharge, and, and that'll be kind of discussed um, uh, through that process. And, and we have 
a whole business office and things like that too that sure. help us with that. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Dr. Christopher Thompson, hospice and palliative care physician with Transitions Life Care. Thank you so much for coming in this evening. We appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Also want to, again, congratulate you on receiving your designation as Fellow of the American Academy of Hospice and Palliative Medicine. This, of course, is the highest honor that can be bestowed upon a physician member. Just a tremendous accomplishment for Dr. Thompson and for Transitions Life Care. We are out of time for this evening. I want to remind you that you can find this episode as well as past episodes online at WPTF.com. Just click on the podcast button and head over to the Aging Matters section. You can also find plenty of resources at transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. That is the website. We hope you'll join us again next Saturday evening at 7 for Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on News Radio 680, WPTF. Have a wonderful night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680, WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.